Hey y'all, it's Corey here with the Grow Ensemble podcast. And in today's episode, I speak with Jessica Kellner, one of the four co-founders of Bark Media, a beat corporation located in Lawrence, Kansas. The Bark Media folks help impact-driven brands craft their content strategies to help share their unique mission. Jessica shares a list of valuable insights in today's episode. At the highest level, she's going to talk about marketing, not just being a means of turning some specific metrics that you want to see, but rather an opportunity, almost an obligation to build a relationship with a community around your brand and company. She talks about fundamentals that you're going to need to hit to execute on an effective communication and marketing plan. And as well, she's going to talk about the importance of collaborating with other folks in your space, in your industry, as well in the social enterprise sphere. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Jessica Kellner from Bark Media. Oh, and one last thing, we're hosting a giveaway. On behalf of launching this podcast for the next 30 days from the release of our first episode, we're going to be hosting a giveaway. You can go ahead and check out what kind of cool prizes will be handed out at growensemble.com backslash launch giveaway. To enter, all you have to do is first, listen to one of these episodes, and then second, you have to leave us an honest review on iTunes. Once you've done that, go ahead and screenshot review and send me an email at corey at growensemble.com. That'll be good for one entry. All right, let's get to it. Well, Jessica, I just want to first and foremost welcome you to the Grow Ensemble podcast and thank you once again for being here to share some of your insights and experiences with folks. Absolutely. Very happy to be here. I first found out about you and as well Bark Media from the workshop or breakout session that y'all ran at my first B Corp. B Corporation Annual Retreat this year in New Orleans. And that was an excellent workshop, by the way, very informative. So so thank you for that. After doing a little bit of diving into Bark Media, the, the first thing that I was, I was curious about is Lawrence, Kansas, actually. Not often a place I think about. So I just the, the first question I wanted to ask you, what, what's something unique about Lawrence that you love that, that perhaps would encourage people to come check it out? Yeah, absolutely. So Lawrence is a college town. It's where the University of Kansas is. All of us at Bark went to the University of Kansas. Most of us were journalism students. So Lawrence has a really thriving community. It has a lot of community engagement. Like many college towns, it has a really fun and active sort of downtown. It has a lot of arts. It has a lot of educational programming and stuff happening all over the place. And Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities to interact with the community and a lot of really passionate people who are doing a lot of very cool things here. So that's my favorite part about living here. The the community aspect? Yeah, it's just a really great, you know, it's it's not a super small town. We certainly have, you know, a lot of stuff going on. But there are, like I said, just so many community groups and so many really active and passionate people that are doing a lot of really cool work around nature and sustainability and all sorts of things like that. And so I think sometimes that's not what people expect in Kansas. And so it makes 
Florence a little bit unique and just a really great community. We're also, you know, about 30 minutes away from Kansas City. So it kind of offers the best of both worlds in terms of it's it's calm and there's nature and open spaces and a lot of easy access to really great food and restaurants and, and things to do. But then we're also just, you know, a jump away from Kansas City where there's more urban activities. That sounds excellent. So University of Kansas, and that's that's where all y'all on the Bark Media team went to school. Are you originally from Kansas? What drew you there? Well, going to school here, they have a great journalism program. I'm from Nebraska, which is nearby. But yeah, I came down here for the great journalism program and really love the community and have had a really great career opportunities, um, especially considering it's it is Lawrence, Kansas, and I work in national media and publishing, but got a lot of really great opportunities here in, in the world of sustainable media and have stayed. And now my husband and I live on a in a house that's about five minutes from downtown, yet we share 14 acres of woods with our five neighbors that has trails. And we have a wood-burning stove and an outdoor wood-fired pizza oven and solar panels and radiant floor heat. And it's it's a great space and a great spot. And like I said, that access to both sort of the stuff you like in city living as well as a little bit of a country nature lifestyle. Pretty well integrated then it would seem. Yeah. It doing some some poking around and it it seemed your time at Mother Earth Living, one of the, I came across like a home tour or something. It was just some shots of I think that that exact house that you're talking about was really beautiful. Yeah. By the way. And based off the book that you wrote, Housing Reclaimed, about affordable and sustainable housing. It seems like that that kind of topic, you know, your home, housing in general, that seems to be something I guess very, you know, important to you. Where did that start? So like what what kind of shot that um, off? Yeah. So I was the managing editor for many years and also the editor in chief of Natural Home magazine. That was a magazine that focused on green building and that the magazine publisher that I worked for for many years had acquired that magazine back in 2006. And so I helped sort of bring it into our publishing house and several of the other staff members were in Colorado. But yeah, I was the managing editor of that. And we talked about green living and green building and green remodeling and sustainable lifestyles and all of that. And so as part of that work, I got to travel all over the country and interview people who had built green homes, who had done green remodeling, who had done really amazing renovations and stuff and directing photo shoots and all that, interviewing them just it, it was really great and taught me obviously a lot about that subject matter and also made me really interested in it. And then that magazine, as I said, I was the editor in chief of that for a while. And then we ended up sort of rolling that magazine into a new title, which was Mother Earth Living that I launched in 2011. I guess on that, that subject of green living, was that always something that you were interested in and had a bit of a, a passion for? Or did it kind of develop over the course of that time in that work, you know, it sounds like you had a lot of rich experiences and interviews and conversations. Yeah, I mean, a little of both. I always kind of had an interest in it. Oh, you know, I was in ecology club in high school and stuff like that. But during that time, I learned, obviously, a lot more about it and developed a deeper interest. And then, of course, as you talk to people who are doing all this really awesome stuff, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is this is so cool. And so yeah, my whole my whole sort of trajectory in the world of journalism has focused on sustainability and lifestyles that make a, a good impact. 
And now at Bark, we've sort of folded that and taken that to the step of, of businesses and organizations that are doing the similar kind of impact-based work in the world. So as I say, you know, I spent a long many years of my career sort of talking to the individual about how they could make a difference in their in their actions and in their life. And now I sort of see it as a progression to talking more at a little bit of a higher level about how organizations and businesses can make a difference with the decisions that they are making, which frankly have a, you know, a larger widespread influence because they impact so much more. Right. I guess, you know, I, I think being in, in social business or having that orientation is something that's unique in itself. Is there, do you feel like there's anything specifically like about yourself or perhaps about you and your partners that have, you know, that have led you to, you know, be running an organization, a business like Bark? I mean, yeah, definitely. So all of us were very fortunate in our careers to work for magazines and publications that we felt really passionately about. All four of us co-founders had worked at Ogden Publications. One of our co-founders, Jennifer Kongs, is an environmental studies major. She was the managing editor of Mother Earth News for many years. So all of us had this really, really lucky situation where we worked for our entire careers doing things that we really, truly cared about and that we're really passionate about. So, you know, after... 13 years in national magazine publishing, I was like, I just, you know, I need to do something different. I need a change of pace. At the same time, the other three had helped to launch a magazine around the B Corporation movement and had learned sort of all of this really amazing stuff that all the B corporations are doing and and the importance of that movement. And so as we were forming Bark, all of that sort of weighed in and we all were like, we just, it's very important to all of us that's the most important part of of our work really is that we are passionate about it and that we care about it and that we feel that we're contributing positively to the world. And yet, you know, if you go to work for another agency, you probably don't have the opportunity to say, this is the type of company that I want to work for. And this is the type of company that I don't. And so that's kind of how we ended up launching our own just saying, it's really important to us that our work have this positive impact. So let's let's try to do this and see if we can help all of these companies and organizations that we see out there that are doing all this really great stuff, and maybe not necessarily super adept at talking about it. You know, we would start researching companies and see that they were doing all of these really amazing things all over the, the world. But then if you went to your, their website, that wasn't really reflected or shared in a way that was obvious. And so that was part of the impetus of, of starting this is like, these companies need to be out there talking about this really amazing stuff that they do in a more effective way. And of course, they're occupied with running their entire business. And so that's where we hope our skills can sort of come in and help play that role for them. Hey, y'all, Corey here. Now Jessica is about to share with us the valuable perspective that they take at Bark Media, that marketing is more than just looking at the metrics that you're trying to turn, but rather an opportunity or even an obligation to build community, relationships, and tell an authentic story about your brand and company. Check it out. I mean, I think all of us coming from a journalism background rather than a specifically marketing background makes us look at things in a little bit different way. We really believe in authentic storytelling. We believe that the way 
to build a community, to build support around yourself as an organization or as a movement is to tell that authentic story. And frankly, that only works if you have an authentic, interesting story to tell. So that's part of the, you know, the impact thing is like, well, we, we only can do this, this work in the way that we think is the most effective way to do it if there really is a really cool story behind it. But yeah, so instead of you know, looking at marketing as this sort of, we have to sell ourselves. We look at it as more of community building and engagement building. I almost see it the same as, as a personal relationship. As a person, you know, you, you need to build strong support community around yourself. You need strong relationships. You know, there's research that in elderly people, the stronger their personal relationships and their relationship to the community, the longer and healthier lives they live. Well, I think the same thing could be said for organizations and movements. The more that there are a lot of people out there in the world that want to support work that is making a difference, that want to support companies that are running themselves in certain ways, that want to support movements to improve our world. It's telling your authentic story so that you can find the right people who are going to support you because they're out there. It's just they don't know about you right now. So that's sort of our our method is let's really get this story out there to the people who are going to care about it and build community and build something that's really strong. It's not a one-off, hey, here's here's our marketing email and what was our open rate. It's building a long-lasting community and long-lasting relationships around the work that you're doing. Mm, I really like that. I guess as a first step or perhaps first thought, like a, you know, a business who you know, they perhaps believe they have a really compelling story, where would you recommend they start to look or, or how they could start to think to find those, you know, find those folks who would be part of their community? Yeah. So the most important okay. step that we always start with, and this was part of, of that workshop that you saw, is, is to start with who is the audience, right? Who are we talking to? I find a lot of times with organizations doing communications, they sort of start with this mindset of what do I want to say to the world, rather than looking at the mindset of who am I talking to? And what does this person want to know about me and what I'm doing? Why is my organization something that they should care about? Right. And so we start there, we start with who are the specific types of people that we know are going to be interested in in your work based on whatever data we have available about the specific organization. And then we design out the communication model based on that. Okay, who is this person? Where are they? Where do I as an organization have a chance to interact with them? You know, maybe it's on specific social media channels. Maybe it's by email. Maybe it's by getting in front of them through another organization that that has like-minded ideas with mine that I could do some kind of a trade with. Maybe it's an in-person event, you know. So you can't identify where to contact someone, where to connect with someone if you don't really know who they are. And a lot of times you'll find that Again, organizations, you know, you'll say, who are you talking to? And they'll say, everyone. Or they'll say, minority men age this to this. Well, we can't communicate like that as people. We communicate one-on-one. And so it's really targeting like these specific subsets of your audience that you can speak to directly and that you can identify some, what are their interests and where, where do they get their news and what excites them and like getting in front of them there to give them the opportunity to learn more about you. So I guess it, it begins then with a like a persona type exercise, getting a, a thorough understanding of that. 
going from there, maybe this is, you know, this is a portion of that exercise. Are there any particular platforms right now as far as like, you know, in general speaking, content marketing, be it video or, you know, blogging or whatever it is, are there particular platforms that you recommend more so than others? Or is it kind of tailored to the, the audience? It's tailored to the audience. Yeah. I mean, video obviously is compelling. You know, I used to always think about it this way in journalism. The story is what is captivating. Telling that story in an authentic way, in an, in an interesting way, in a compelling way, that's what's important. The platform is a tool. So the story and connecting the story with the person, those are the two very important things. Figuring out where to do that, yes, it's important, but that's not the most critical element. It's it's telling the story in the most authentic possible way and connecting with the right people. Those are those are the two really fundamental elements I think that you have to get right. Hey y'all, Corey here once more. Now Jessica Kellner is gonna dive deeper into the relationship building that needs to happen inside and outside your content funnel to take folks from never hearing of your company to becoming loyal advocates of your brand. Check it out. You know, we always talk about the content funnel and how you sort of take a person from not being aware to awareness to all the way down to advocacy of your brand or your or your cause. Well, sometimes people want to really take that person from way up here to way down here in like one step. And you really can't do that. It needs to be one step at a time. It needs to be, hey, you like this, follow us on social media. Let us let us build this relationship. Again, it's very similar to a one-on-one personal relationship. You don't just go from meeting someone to, you know, being married to them, you know, let's say, or being their best friend in one day. It, it takes time and you get to know more about each other. And that's sort of what we're doing is saying, hey, we're out there doing this this work, like learn a little bit more about us. And then we give you more and more and more. And over time, hopefully what we're giving you, you find compelling and you, and that you really care about it. And not every person that you interact with is going to end up being your strongest advocate. But the more people that you can interact with, the more really strong advocates you're going to end up with. And how does that apply to, to y'all at Bark specifically, you know, as you're, you know, researching companies and sourcing companies that y'all could potentially help? Like, what is your thought process or kind of strategy behind that? A lot of it is networking and again, being involved in really great communities, you know, being involved in the B Corp community is fantastic, not only because you go to, you know, as you you said, we met at the Champions Retreat. And at the Champions Retreat, you're walking around and being like, Oh, what is you know, what does this person do? And they tell you and you're like, wow, that is amazing. And then the next person you talk to, it's the same thing, you know, a lot of other events you go and you know, there, there's some people you connect with what they're doing and some people that you're like, okay, I don't care. But if you're in the right community, if they're in the right place that you're really passionate about, then you're going to meet all of these really awesome and interesting people, whether you end up working with them or they inspire you or you learn something from them. You know, it, it is that connection with others, I think, that is is the most important for us. You know, we do other events where we're out meeting a lot of different nonprofits and things, but that's, you know, the, the network and the community, I think is the strongest way that we meet new collaborators, whether they're clients, whether they're other companies that we work with on communications, you know, whatever the case may be. Are there any other events similar to the B Corp, like annual retreats that you found really valuable to connect with these types of businesses or people or? Hmm. 
Well, you know, a lot of our other clients do have really cool events. Bioneers is one that I was at recently, which is a very similar. It's in Northern California. It's an innovation and thought leadership event. It's a very, like I said, every person you talk to that is there is interesting and engaging. And the speakers that they bring have the most, the most inspiring. They're just doing really cutting edge progressive stuff that help, that opens your mind to possibilities that you, you know, they're actually in their 30th year. And one of the, a really great quote, we were collecting a bunch of testimonials while we were there from, from people who had been involved with the organization. And one of the favorite quotes was from a, a man who's a, a National Geographic, I think, writer and a science writer and stuff. And he said, you know, I've been in this industry for, for years. And yet every single time I come here, I'm filling notebook after notebook with new ideas that I hadn't heard of to look into and stuff. And so, you know, I, I think... I don't know. Yeah, that's another example. But really, almost all of our clients, just because because they're all doing this really great stuff that we're really passionate about, they sort of give us access to these amazing communities that they're a part of. And then you, you build from there learning about all sorts of new amazing, amazing work happening. And what's that experience like for you to be at an event like that? You know, and you're you're hearing that guy as an example, like just with you know, so much enthusiasm and perhaps gratitude for an event like that. What's the experience like personally for you to to be there in that room and take that in? I mean, it's both inspiring and kind of overwhelming just because, you know, it's it's inspiring to see all of the really amazing stuff. And, you know, at Champions Retreat, hearing at the end, Jay talking about how the movement has grown so much and that it's grown from being something that was very small. There was a lot of people doing really hard work within their own businesses without necessarily knowing what it was going to lead to. And now suddenly, like, it's a national conversation. We have Elizabeth Warren talking about it and people, the Larry Fink from BlackRock talking about it. And, you know, it, it makes me feel really great because sometimes, you know, when you're in the day-to-day grind and you're doing a spreadsheet or something like that, like it's it's hard to see the bigger picture of what you're working on. And so then I think when you do get out with the community and you're in at these events, like the Champions Retreat or Bioneers, you suddenly can sort of see how you play into the, this small part in this bigger scope that's happening, that's having this ripple effect that's sort of changing things all across the world. And so... As I said, it's inspiring and, and a little overwhelming because, you know, you see like, oh, my God, look at the look at the huge stuff that's happening out there. And like, here's this little part we play. But if we are all playing those little parts, it, it does make a huge difference. And then that's where you feel like really, you know, just really a great sense of pride in the, the work that you do. Leaving an event like the B Corp annual retreat, I think, I'm not sure if your, your entire team was there, but I know you co-hosted that workshop with... Jennifer, I believe, uh, another member of your yep. team. Does leaving an event like that have y'all perhaps make any other like strategic decisions about like, okay, you know, we, we leave with this inspiration. Here's something new and a bit more adventurous we're going to do or is or has it just been energy in itself or are there any other decisions that you make as a product of leaving an event like that? I mean, I think a lot of the decisions we make or the ideas we leave with often relate to the client. You know, we work with B-Lab. And so when we leave that B-Lab event, we usually come back with all of these, oh oh my God, I met this person. We should be doing this. We should be covering this. We should be talking about this. We should be reaching out here. And so it gives us a lot of innovative ideas with the client work in question. And then of course, yes, I mean, it also gives us really great ideas for our own business. We went to, we were 
another of my business partners and I were media fellows at a big event where a lot of nonprofits across the globe come together with impact investors to get funding for various things. And we were talking to them in this little slice about media. And leaving there, we had a lot of ideas of, okay, all of these groups need marketing services, but a lot of them are running on shoestring budgets. What's a way that we could somehow figure out to provide services to these people? And what could that look like? And so yeah, it provides us with innovations for our own business, and then gives us a lot of ideas for new directions to go with with our clients and with the communities that we're that we're serving. And so I guess, for Bark Media, is there anything particularly kind of unique on the horizon for y'all? It seems like that's that's something interesting, you know, trying to, to craft in some way, providing services to those nonprofits as an example. Is there anything else on the horizon for y'all at this moment? Or are you just kind of deeply invested in the, the client accounts that you have? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're a young business. And so we're still growing rapidly. It's really exciting. We've been really fortunate to get really amazing Clients, as I said, that we really care about and are passionate about, and we have more sort of coming in. And so our, our whole business is still shifting and growing so much. We, you know, I often say it, it's like building the plane while you're flying it kind of like, okay, we're, we're doing this really amazing, this stuff for this client, this stuff for this client. And then, okay, these people are coming in and now we need to handle some of the infrastructure issues like, all right, we're hiring employees and all of that kind of thing. So, you know, it's very exciting, but it's also challenging just to, to make sure that we continue to provide the very high level of service that we offer clients. I think that's a differentiating factor for us. And again, I think some of that comes back to our, our journalism backgrounds that we're not running a standard plug and play marketing system that we plug people into. We really are analyzing them more deeply and doing things that we think are going to be most effective for them specifically as an organization and as a movement. So continuing to have that kind of investment in each of them while continuing to grow and making sure that we're doing it in a way that is sustainable for us and for them. So yeah, we're kind of, that's where we're at. And it, it's a very exciting, exciting place. And we always kind of are shifting and looking at new directions, but it's a, it's a growth and keeping your head above water as you're <laughs> starting and growing a business. Totally. I guess on that note, have there been any specific notable successes or perhaps, you know, lessons that you've extracted from you know, getting started and, and growing as y'all are that that other businesses perhaps could take from? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A lot of successes. A, a lot of it is that to build this really engaged community, it takes time. And there's no way around that. A slow growth model, even though it, it's not like, oh my gosh, boom, you've got an influx of this huge number of, of people into your list that are suddenly going to drop away. It, it, it is building those stronger relationships, but they're going to last over time. And so that's part of it, like the investment on both your side and on the client side and, and having the client understand the value of that and that it is a much more valuable long-term investment to build this list or build these audiences that are going to really, really care deeply about what you're doing for the long term. One of our clients had their huge annual event recently, and we had doubled the number of, of unique attendees there. Well, that was because of this slow model of saying, hey, we need to get this story out in front of more people and build partnerships. That's another very big component of our work that we are 
always talking about with with clients and and in workshops and stuff is is the power of collaboration and community. There's building the community around your organization, around your movement, of course, but there's also looking at your broader community and saying, well, how can I work with other like-minded organizations to benefit each other? You know, I think the idea that because you're an organization that that does something and this other organization is kind of in the same realm that you guys have to compete is to me an outdated model. I think it's really much more beneficial for everyone if there's a lot more collaboration going on and cooperation. I always give this example back when I was the editor of Mother Earth Living, we were growing our, our Facebook audience pretty rapidly and we were but we had been trying for months to cross the one million mark on our audience. And every month I'm like, next month, you know, in my reports, next month we're gonna cross a million, next month we're gonna cross a million. It'd been like five months of this and I was getting really frustrated saying every single month I'm saying this. And then another magazine had lunch that was direct competition to us. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, wow, they're just like jumping right into our space and doing the exact same thing. And then they reached out and were like, hey, would you want to do content sharing? And your sort of your initial thing is like, what? Like you're coming into my, (laughs) you're coming into my area and like now you want us to work with you, whatever. But then it was like, I actually think we have a lot more to gain than we have possibly to lose here. We did start doing online content trading and we crossed a million that month because we suddenly were in front of all this, uh, this new audience and it was the super great thing. And so, you know, I, I always just try to encourage people like look outside of your organization at the people that are out there doing work in your realm that you can say, hey, let's get together and do this. We both like the same things. We're both aiming for the same things. We both have similar goals and take advantage of that. I guess it can be easy oftentimes to get caught in a mindset of like scarcity if like oh there's not enough to go around especially when you know you're perhaps facing a particular challenge like you were you know so that's quite the uh seems impactful lesson especially that it it returned for you very clearly on the the number that you're looking to hit so that's that's very great hey y'all Corey again now jessica's gonna share with us some really valuable insights into collaborating with other businesses other people in your industry in your sphere, in the entire social enterprise space, you know, what that can do to move you and your business forward. Speaking of like looking outside the organization or around it, are there any, you know, particular things you would recommend for folks to, to look for these kind of different collaborators, like just outside of thinking, who does what I do? Who does what I do is one way of looking at it, but a way I like better actually comes back to sort of what we were talking about at the beginning, that audience identification. So instead of saying, who is doing the same thing I'm doing, you say, who else is doing work that my audience is going to be interested in, right? So if you've done that, that audience persona building, archetyping, whatever, and you're like, okay, I'm trying to reach Donna, and she's a 48 year old woman, and she lives in Colorado, and she this is my person, right? Well, well, what else does Donna like? That's maybe not in your field. So, you know, I'll give the example of like, this is, we worked with a, a local trails company or not company organization here in Lawrence that, that they're called Friends of Lawrence Area Trails and they, they're a nonprofit and they do all this work to connect trails throughout our city and town. And so working with them and saying, okay, so someone who cares about these trails, what else do they care about? Well, they're very likely a fitness enthusiast. So maybe they want to, we want to connect with the local bike shop. Maybe a lot of these people also like dogs. Let's connect with the humane society, right? And so, so then we're, we're, we're designing out these events and these outreach things that aren't just like 
okay, trails, let's talk to other trail organizations. It's like, okay, let's, let's have a community event that's on the trail. That's a humane society event where they bring the dogs and you can, can walk the dogs, right? Okay. Let's connect with the local brewery. Cause a lot of these people, you know, they ride bikes, they like local beer. So then we're going to have an event where they're going to, you ride the loop and you go to the beer manufacturing place and learn about it. And the look, so it's sort of taking that audience member thinking about all of the things that they might like and then building out creative ways to connect with them that aren't just focused on you. That's It's focused on them. It should never be focused on you, right? And it's not, again, it's not what do I want to say and what message do I want to deliver to them? It's what do they want to hear about and what's going to make them understand why this is important? What's mm. going to make them understand why they should be passionate about this and should be advocates for our cause and should follow us on social media and should talk about us to our fr their friends. The work that it seems y'all are doing is highly creative, you know, with your clients and seems very energizing as well and inspiring itself. I'm curious for you particularly, like, is it, is it that maybe that, you know, kind of creative storytelling or that idea generation about how you can, you know, make these connections for folks? Is it that, or is there maybe something else specific with your work and your role with Bark Media that, that feels most energizing and exciting to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it is the goals of the organizations and really helping because, yeah, I mean, it's just how interesting and compelling their goals and their missions are in supporting that. Like, it makes it easy to be creative and to do that kind of creative thinking about how to tell the story when the story is really, really interesting. You know, I think if we had clients that were more, I don't know, interested in just selling product, for example, it you still can do creative and interesting things, but you don't have the passion behind it. And so feeling personally invested in them and their outcomes makes it a lot more fun to think about things in this way. You know, being in the the magazine publishing industry for so long, that is a very creative, a very creative job where you're sort of envisioning this final product and you're making something physical and it feels like you really are using your creativity to like produce something. And I was wondering if that if I would miss that moving into this more like marketing oriented realm. But I think that's the way that we bring a lot of creativity to the work is saying, you know, instead of looking at it as a, I'm, I'm trying to sell something, it's looking at it as, as a, I'm, I'm trying to tell this really awesome story. And I'm trying to tell this really awesome story to these people that I know are out there that are like me that are going to think this is really awesome and get really excited about it. And so mm. it's just like figuring out how to do that, that is fun and exciting and engaging. And I mean, maybe just kind of hearing from how like invested that sort of process seems or has to be, maybe this, this does pose one of the issues, but I'm, I'm curious as y'all are growing at, at Bark, what, what may be some pretty clear definable challenges that y'all are experiencing at this point that you're, you know, really hoping to surpass? Well, one of the biggest challenges that I think, I don't think we'll ever fully surpass, but what we need to like keep it reined in is because we are so passionate, like the time creep, because I want to do everything for the, you know, anything that could be done that I'm like, oh, this would be really good. We want to do it. And yet, well, we only have a certain number of hours allotted we're supposed to be spending <laughs> with these, you know, right. with this person. So making sure that we're mindful that Bark itself itself has to be sustainable is, I think, going to be an ongoing challenge. But to me, that's the trade-off you make for having having this 
amazing opportunity to work with clients that you really, really care about. And so I think it's a fine trade off, but it's something that we're always aware of and always, always having to sort of pull back on ourselves and be like, okay, we have to stay focused and we have to say, okay, this is the thing we can do for this client. And they don't currently have the resources to do these things or saying, Hey, if you could resource these things, we think these could be the results and, you know, building in that way, but, but making sure that we stay aware of our own (laughs) time and output and aren't all working, you know, 24 seven and using mindfulness in that way too, to care for ourselves and the, you know, we can't pour from an empty vessel kind of thinking. Right. And I guess along those lines, you know, perhaps the, the mindfulness or some of that personal care, are there any things that y'all do at Bark particularly that you feel like works to keep you all kind of sane and like mentally and emotionally healthy, perhaps as a as a team and organization? Yeah, I mean, we try to, I think the model of having four co-founders who are equal partners is fairly rare. There's really not a lot of business models like that. And that also speaks just back to that, you know, power of community thing that I'm so thankful that we've had each other to rely on through this. None of us have owned our own business before. We're all kind of doing this thing as we go along. We're doing a thing that's pretty unusual. Having an impact-based company saying if and when we hire employees, we want to be able to give them really great benefits. One of our co-founders is having a baby in a, a month or so, and we want to give her a long paid maternity leave. You know, These things that frankly are just not commonplace in the United States at all that we want to do. And we're doing them as first time business owners. And we're doing them in this four person co owner model that's pretty unusual. So in some ways, you know, the same as like that building the plane while you're flying it, like we're kind of making this up as we go along and saying, okay, what things are important to us? What things have we experienced in past work environments that we don't want to do in our own? And it's very empowering because as owners of our own business, we can make those decisions. But it's also challenging because, you know, you're, you're like, I, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, but I know this is important to us. And so we rely on each other. And then we're also all very good at saying we need to do exercise and go to yoga and take time for ourselves and give each other the space that we need and rely on each other and all of that stuff so that we all stay healthy and, and engaged. And of course, over the course of launching the business, there have been times that we have not all been there. And we have all been like, Oh, my gosh, we're all going crazy. And we're this, you know, and then so working together to say, okay, what do we need to do here? Like, what's what's the step to get this under control? And I think, as I said, especially because we are so passionate, that's going to be an ongoing issue. And I imagine it is for most business owners. But yeah, relying on each other and figuring out where that balance is, is very important part of our business to all of us. So is is there some sort of particular process, you know, organic or otherwise that y'all have worked or put together to make strategic decisions as a business, you know, given there's there's four of you or, you know, who all have a, a call or, you know, a, a strong say on where the business goes and what decisions you make is there, how are y'all balancing that and, and kind of putting that together? Yeah. So as we kind of put our business model together, we made a lot of, you know, what we considered the most important calls, we said they have to be unanimous, or they're not going to happen. Some of the smaller calls just needed to be majority. But for anything that we considered really like crucial and essential decision making, we said, all of us have to be on board, or we're not going to do it. We all we want to, you know, in terms of, you know, taking on a client, we all have to say, yes, we are all on board with taking on this client. And again, you know, is that 
I don't know that that's super common, but that's how we felt it was important that we all be that much on the same page if this was going to be successful. And I would say there's definitely been times that in the past, we've had to make decisions and there's some conflict or discussion around it and we're not really sure where to land. And I think that us having to be unanimous has ended up in hindsight, having us make the better decision, even if it's not the decision I thought was the right decision at the time. So I'm, I'm thankful for, for that because we're all sort of bringing our own perspective to each of those decisions. And then in terms of just running the day-to-day business, you know, we each sort of have our clients that we focus on. And then once a week, we all come together and we go through every single client so that we're sharing lessons with each other so that if I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really having a problem with this, like this is not going how I want it to, somebody else can say, oh, well, this we had that with this client and this worked or, oh, I know this person who's really great at that. Let, we should, let's get them to jump in. So it's kind of a, a brain trust too, you know, it's which I, I find very comforting as well. You know, it's, it's not just me, it's all of us. And that's something we've really been, we've emphasized, you know, when there's struggles or, or if we've had a problem with something that we were like, this isn't working out. It's like, never do we want somebody to feel like I'm isolated over here and I'm having this problem. Like any problem is all of our problem to handle and to figure out. And if, if something doesn't go well, we want to say we're all in it. And if something goes well, it's all of our success. So yeah, that's, that's one of the the key ways I think that we that we accomplish that is by by coming together and discussing strategy and overarching goals about each client as a team, and then we sort of go off and like do the work with our team of of contractors and our and the client lead. Hey y'all! Before we wrap things up, Jessica's going to share with us where to connect with her and the folks over at Bark Media. Well, Jessica, I I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your day chatting with me. I guess before we sign off here, is there there any other places that you'd like to kind of plug or or direct folks to to learn more about you know yourself for Bark Media? I mean, our website is barkmediaco.com. We would always welcome, as has probably become clear, outreach from people who have questions, who want to chat, who want to connect. A lot of one of my business partner who does a lot of our our business development and network development relationship building is like, gosh, it's just always meeting people and authentically connecting with them and then keeping that alive. Like you never know where those relationships are going to lead. And it may be that we're friends and professionally connected for years. And then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, we should, we can work together in this really amazing way. So if anyone wants to reach out to us and chat or ask questions or start, start a relationship, please do. We are happy to chat. Awesome. And we will go ahead and include all the links that people need in the show notes so they can find you where you're at. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Hey y'all. It's Corey here once more with the Grow Ensemble podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I really hope you found it valuable. I know I did. And if you like the episode, if you like the podcast, go ahead and head over to wherever it is that you get your podcasts and click subscribe. And that way, you're going to be able to keep up with any of our latest releases. Thanks again, y'all. Oh, and one last thing. We're hosting a giveaway. On behalf of launching this podcast, for the next 30 days from the release of our first episode, we're going to be hosting a giveaway. You can go ahead and check out what kind of cool prizes will be handed out at growensemble.com backslash launch giveaway. To enter, all you have to do is first, listen to one of these episodes, and then second, you have to leave us an honest review on iTunes. Once you've done that, go ahead and screenshot your review and send me an email 
at Corey at growensemble.com. That'll be good for one entry.